Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by and welcome to the America Q1 2020 Analyst Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. If you require any further assistance, please press star 0. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Scott Hastings, Senior Director, Capital Markets. Thank you. Please go ahead, sir. Thank you, Chris. And thank you all for joining us this morning for Amera's first quarter 2020 conference call and live webcast. The Amera first quarter earnings release was distributed this morning via Newswire and the financial statements, management discussion and analysis and the presentation being referenced on this call are available on our website at amera.com. Joining me for this morning's call are Scott Belfort, Amera's President and Chief Executive Officer, Greg London, Amera's Chief Financial Officer, and other members of the Amera Management Team. Before we begin, I'd like to take a moment to advise you that this morning's discussion will include forward-looking information, which is subject to the cautionary statement contained in the supporting slide. Today's discussion and presentation will also include references to non-GAAP financial measures. You should refer to the appendix for definitional information and reconciliations of historical non-GAAP measures to the closest GAAP financial measure. And now I'll turn things over to Scott Belfort. Thank you, Scott, and good morning, everyone. I'd like to begin my remarks by taking a moment to reflect on not only the loss of lives due to COVID-19, but also to acknowledge two additional tragedies that have hit us here in Nova Scotia. We were all incredibly shaken by the mass shootings on April 18th and 19th that claimed 22 victims in a province, a senseless act of violence and an unimaginable loss of life. And then less than two weeks later, Six members of Canada's armed forces were killed when their helicopter crashed off the coast of Greece, the single largest day loss of life for a military in more than a decade. All six were based here in Nova Scotia, and three of the six were native Nova Scotians. As you can imagine, these tragedies are deeply affecting our close-knit community at an already difficult time when we cannot physically come together to support one another. On behalf of the entire Amera team, we extend our heartfelt condolences to everyone impacted by these events. And I would ask you to join me in a moment of silence to honor those whose lives have been lost. Now, to the business of the call and turning to our quarterly update. 
we're all facing the impacts of the global COVID-19 pandemic. At Amira, we're very fortunate. We are only experiencing relatively modest short-term impacts to Amira's business, and our long-term outlook remains positive. Our response to COVID-19 has been grounded in our relentless focus on the health and safety of our employees, customers, and communities, while continuing to deliver the critical energy that our customers rely on now more than ever. Our teams are committed to providing the reliable and affordable energy that the health systems, food suppliers, technology providers, businesses, governments, and every single customer within the regions we serve need for them themselves continue to function and which we are all ourselves relying upon during this pandemic. We understand that we truly are an essential service during this critical and challenging time. And so we activated our integrated pandemic and business continuity plans in early March to ensure that we can continue to deliver our essential services to our customers, regardless of the degree and the duration of this pandemic. I'm extremely proud of our team. Quite frankly, they're doing what they do best, adapting and delivering for our customers demonstrating an incredible amount of resiliency, commitment, and professionalism. Employees that were able to work from home have been safely doing so since early March. But for many of our employees in critical roles in our generating facilities and field operations, working from home is not an option. So we implemented new protocols and PPE standards. For example, we established health screening processes and our control centers have been split between primary and backup locations and we've been staggering shifts for our employees. We are taking every precaution to keep our people, our customer, and our community safe. And I'm very grateful that our efforts to date are working. We are fortunate that the direct impacts to our team so far have been minimal, with only two employees and one contractor diagnosed with COVID-19 to date across our more than 7,000 person team in Canada, the US, and the Caribbean. And I'm pleased to say that they are all recovering well. While we plan for the next phase, where governments and health officials begin or continue to lift some restrictions across our jurisdictions, we will remain relentlessly focused on health and safety and the reliable delivery of energy throughout this unprecedented period. We know that this pandemic is creating significant challenges for the most vulnerable in our communities, and we're committed to doing our part to help our utilities have taken steps to assist our customers during this difficult time. For those customers most hit by the pandemic, we've been suspending disconnections, facilitating access to resources, providing financial support, and should it be necessary, willing to work directly with customers on flexible payment plans. At Tampa Electric, we've also accelerated a fuel refund, thus reducing monthly customer bills for the remainder of 2020. In addition, the Amir group of companies have donated approximately $4 million Canadian dollars to various COVID relief programs to assist those most in need in our communities. And we continue to collaborate with community partners and government officials to ident identify emerging needs. We are grateful to be in a position to help our communities through this devastating time. As Greg will discuss in a minute, given the timing of COVID-19 and our customer profile, the pandemic had minimal impact to our Q1 financial results. 
While it's challenging to predict all the potential future impacts of COVID-19, as we look forward into the second quarter and beyond, we do know that AMIRA is well positioned to respond to the needs of all of our stakeholders. AMIRA's customer mix is heavily weighted towards residential customers. This means that not only a small portion of its fixed cost contribution comes from industrial and commercial customers. To date, most of our utilities have experienced reductions to weather adjusted load in the range of four to 6%. However, the related earnings impact for the remainder of the year will be dependent on several factors, including the length of the pandemic, customer composition of the load, and the actual weather we experience going forward. Closing of the Amir main transaction has provided additional strength to our balance sheet and has bolstered our liquidity position. While these proceeds have sufficient, what with these proceeds, we have sufficient liquidity to manage through the pandemic and beyond. Historically, Amir has been very successful working with customers during times of economic stress. During the 2008 and 2009 financial crisis, Amira and Tico only experienced a small increase in uncollectible accounts. This was managed through the application of existing customer deposits, developing payment plans for customers, and facilitating financial aid from local, state, and national programs. At Amira, we understand the long-term value of our customer relationships, and we are committed to doing the right thing for our customers as they manage through this financially challenging time. Amira's capital program continues to advance with additional health and safety procedures in place where necessary. And we are pleased that our major projects continue without any significant supply disruptions or delays at this time. This includes both the Big Bend modernization project and our solar developments in Florida. We remain committed to our capital program, which will contribute to the recovery of our local economies through employment and support for local businesses. In addition, many of Amira's capital projects will provide significant cost savings as we reduce the cost of fuel component of customers' bills. We are confident in our long-term value proposition to shareholders because of the resiliency of our people and our strategy. Our proven strategy, which is rooted in customer affordability and the transition from higher to lower carbon energy, continues to be relevant despite the temporary impacts of the pandemic. At the core of our responses to COVID-19 has been our people their unwavering commitment to keeping each other, our customers, and our communities safe while delivering the essential energy our customers need has been inspiring. And we know there are more challenges ahead as governments look towards economic recovery. And we remain committed to doing our part, not only to continuing to provide the cleaner, affordable, and reliable energy our customers and communities rely on, but to help with community support and the economic restarts in all of our jurisdictions. And with that, I'll turn it over to Greg to take you through our financial results for the quarter. Greg? Thank you, Scott, and thank you all for joining us this morning. Earlier this morning, we reported first quarter adjusted earnings of $193 million and adjusted earnings per share of 79 cents. Although the Q1 2020 results were lower than Q1 2019, it is important to remember that last year included earnings for merchant gas plants and a gain on the sale of a Florida property. Collectively, these items totaled $34 million or $0.14 cents per share. When excluding these two items, results for Q1 2020 are consistent with those of Q1 2019. While consolidated results are down compared to Q1 2019, the core of our business, 
portfolio of regulated utilities remained strong and performed very well, delivering adjusted earnings growth of 7% for the quarter. We are very pleased with the level of growth, which was primarily driven by strong earnings from Tampa Electric. Our regulated utilities are in premium jurisdictions with supportive regulatory relationships, and we continue to see the quality of our overall earnings improve. Now let's get into some details about the quarter. In the first quarter of 2019, we delivered adjusted earnings per share of 95 cents or 81 cents on a normalized basis. Growth from that normalized Q1 2019 base of 81 cents was largely driven by very strong performance by Tampa Electric. During the quarter, Tampa Electric contributed $79 million of earnings, an increase of $18 million over the first quarter of last year. Tampa Electric's growth was driven by higher base revenues as a result of favorable weather, customer growth, and revenues related to our solar generation project. First quarter earnings for Mira Energy's marketing and training business were $9 million lower than Q1 2019, or four cents per share. This decrease was driven by less favorable marketing conditions quarter over quarter, reflecting a very mild winter, particularly in the Northeast. We also recorded two tax-related adjustments in the quarter. The first was related to the reduction in the provincial corporate tax rate in Nova Scotia, good development in the long run, but which necessitated a revaluation of our deferred tax balances resulting in a one-time non-cash earnings impact of $14 million or $0.06 per share. Partially offsetting this was the reversal of the corporate income tax regulatory liability at Barbados Light and Power, which increased earnings by $10 million or $0.04 per share. Collectively, these two one-time items negatively impacted earnings at $4 million or $0.02 per share. Moving to adjusted EBITDA and cash flow, quarter over quarter, the EBITDA that earnings for interest taxes depreciation and amortization was lower, decreasing by $46 million, 7%. Most of the decline related to the sale of the gas plants in Q1 of 2019. Operating cash flow for Q1 2020 was up $84 million, or 20%, compared to the first quarter of last year. The growth was led by Tampa Electric, which experienced an increase of $88 million, or 10% increase quarter over quarter. The increase in the regulated cash flows is a further signal of our improving cash flow quality, which remains a priority for our team. Q1 2020 marked the completion of the sale of Miramain to NMAX. The closing of this transaction, we have transformed our portfolio while significantly improving our balance sheet and liquidity. This transaction was a critical component of our funding plan and the backbone of the asset sales program, which we highlighted in 2018. 2018 asset sales program has now raised more than $2.2 billion that will be used to fund our future capital programs and to repay holding company debt. Now looking forward, we will not have the earnings contributions from Mirror Main, which contributed $27 million in the last three quarters of last year. On behalf of Amira, I would like to extend my gratitude to the employees of Amira Main and wish them and NMAX all the best in the future. With the timing of the Ameramain proceeds and our ongoing access to capital markets, our liquidity is very strong. At the end of the quarter, we had approximately $3.2 billion of available liquidity. We have no significant short-term debt maturities in 2020, and as of year-end, our pension plans were well-funded with no significant short-term funding requirements. The liquidity position was further improved by the $300 million Nova Scotia Power issuance that was completed in April. This 30-year issuance had the lowest rate of any of Nova Scotia Power's outstanding debt instruments and is illustrative of our continued access to the capital markets. We continue to access the capital needs of our business and currently believe that there are no changes required to our previously communicated funding program. 
This includes equity needs being met through the existing dividend reinvestment plan and at the market programs and the potential for a hybrid of preferred share equity preferred share equity issuance over the forecast period. AMERIC continues to assess the potential impacts of COVID-19, but we are reassured by the strength of our business and the makeup of our customer profile. AMERIC's two largest utilities are primarily made up of residential customers with very low contributions from industrial customers. AMERIC expects the load profile of these two utilities to change during the pandemic with increases in consumption by residential customers and reductions in the industrial and commercial customer classes. And as shown on the slide, in 2019, residential customers made up the largest percentage contribution to the fixed cost recovery of these utilities. The increase in revenue from these residential customers will at least partially offset the COVID-19 related reductions in the commercial and industrial revenues. In addition to the customer mix, the current foreign exchange environment creates a tailwind to help mitigate some of the potential impacts of COVID-19. When removing Amira Main from our 2019 results, approximately 68% of our earnings are reported in U.S. currency. Given the recent movement in FX rates, we have taken advantage of some limited FX hedges for 2020 and 2021. We will continue to review the foreign exchange environment to determine if incremental hedges are required to further reduce earnings volatility. We're also updating our FX sensitivity to reflect the sale of Main and the FX hedges put in place. A one cent change in a U.S.-Canada FX rate would result in an approximately half a cent to one cent change in EPS. And it's important to note that this change in the FX rate will have to hold for an entire 12-month period. In closing, Amir's 2020 get off to a solid start, which is helpful as we face the COVID-19 crisis. Amir's balance sheet and liquidity positions are strong, and this will allow the business to manage through COVID-19. Although the potential impacts of the pandemic are difficult to determine, our customer mix and exposure to the U.S. denominated earnings offer mitigating factors. And with that, I'll turn the presentation back over to Scott. Thank you, Greg. This concludes the presentation. We would now like to open the call for questions from analysts. At this time, I would like to remind everyone, in order to ask a question, press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. Your first question comes from Linda Ezergalis of TD Securities. Your line is open. Thank you. I appreciate the update today and glad to hear that um, the organization is doing well and their employees are safe. Um, I'm wondering um, with respect to um, your, your load profile shifting a little bit in terms of customer mix and everything, I'm just wondering if it's possible uh, that regulators in your key jurisdictions would be open to reassessing your revenue allocation across your customer classes uh, in the event that um, the industrial load doesn't recover in certain jurisdictions very quickly, and maybe even shifting more of your uh, bill component to a fixed, not variable component. And I guess further to that, um, are you still, your uh, update indicated that some of your regulatory uh, processes might be delayed. I'm just wondering if um, you're still planning on fi filing your Tampa Electric uh, general rate application uh, for 2021 or might you do that sooner? And, and can you comment specifically on Tampa Electric and the potential to accelerate uh, some of the uh, uh, rate filing applications potentially? Hey, Linda, it's Scott. Thank you for the question. I may take the first part of that and then uh, I'll let Nancy address the, the specific Tampa Electric uh, question. Uh, so look, I think uh, you know, it would be fair to say that we're 
we're looking um, at, uh, at at our regulatory options in relation to uh, to the impacts of of COVID-19. Of course, you know we've been watching the approach that's been uh, taken by many utilities in the sector, and and also reflective of the um, you know the, the progressive history I think we've had in in working with regulators in all of our jurisdictions to address change of circumstances and and uh, and issues and impacts that come up, and so. I, I think it would be just the most appropriate to say those are those are all things that we're that we're looking at, uh, and um, and of course uh, at a point in time where we decide to proceed with uh, with any particular regulatory approaches uh, like like that, um, those will obviously become uh, matters that we could uh, talk about more clearly then. Nancy, do you want to do you want to address the the um, the intentions around the uh, and the plans for the rate filing in uh, in Tampa Electric? Right, and um, yes, hi Linda. Good morning. Um, our intention is still to file. The timing of that would be in April of 2021. So we are moving ahead um, with that timeline and expect uh, that we would not delay that. That's our, that's our thought at this point. Um, Linda, perhaps I'll, I'll also address the load and, and, um, and maybe specifically our focus here in Tampa Electric. So what we're seeing currently is that our resident, because we are so heavily residential, we're seeing our residential load offset essentially um, the loss we're seeing from industrial. And so at this point, um, and you can see for our, from our revenues, although there certainly is some weather in there, and uh, we can see from April that we're not expecting a, a significant impact if things continue on as they did say in April. Uh, from a bad debt perspective, um, Again, looking back uh, at what happened in 2008 and 9, we would not at this point uh, expect a material impact to our earnings from that. Um, hard to tell this early, but we are we're seeing small uptick in bad debt, but we're also seeing just recently an uptick in customers making payment arrangements. So, you know, at this point, we are we are moving along cautiously um, and uh, keeping our eyes on it. We are also accumulating any costs at this point uh, related to COVID-19. Um, and we haven't closed any doors in terms of um, the thought that we might ask for relief on some of that. But again, we're not seeing anything material at this point. Thank you. And just to clarify a comment you made, Scott, about assessing um, uh, options regarding uh, regulatory um, levers for, for change circumstances. Um, might you also, uh, across all of your utilities, record accumulated costs and potentially your estimate of, of um, uh, lost revenues and um, consider uh, requesting one-time relief uh, on uh, losses uh, incurred uh, to date, not just prospective uh, shifts in revenue allocation? Yeah, I think I'd just say, it, Linda, that, that you know, we're, we're continuing to assess what the impacts are our, for the business, as Nancy says, just like in Tampa Electric, we're we're keeping we're recording the, the the costs and the impacts that relate to uh, um, uh, to the to the pandemic, and as um, as the, the the clarity of that continues to to, to build with the um, with the passage of of time, we'll be in a better position then to to make a determination as to what, if any, regulatory uh, support or request that. Uh, uh, that we look to make, but at, at, at this point in time, I'd say we're mostly just uh, just following that. There has been a 
a joint filing that has been made in um, in New Mexico that uh, uh, the New Mexico Gas is part of together with the other utilities in uh, in that state, uh, but uh, but in other jurisdictions at this point we're uh, we're just continuing to to, to monitor and uh, and assessing our options. Okay, and maybe uh, just as a follow up uh, as well with respect to um, your financing plans being unchanged. Um, I don't know if you're still in ongoing discussions uh, with the rating agencies, but at what point uh, might you consider uh, potentially additional asset sales to bolster uh, your uh, financial outlook? And um, what might um, you, or when do you expect, I guess, S&P to potentially uh, revise your outlook uh, from negative on your rating? Greg, you want to tackle that one? Yeah, so so the second part, um, S and P has done that. So they uh, they did a couple of things in April. They um, they downgraded Amira and went back to stable. Um, but at the same time, and interestingly enough, they they broke apart from the group rating methodology and took all of our operating uh, utilities back to stable, which which quite frankly was the more important change that they made of the two. Um, on a broader um, perspective, Linda. I mean, we're always in contact um, on a regular basis with all the rating agencies and, and, and sensitive to um, what they're seeing and, and making sure that dialogue remains open. As it specifically relates to asset sales, um, we had identified um, as part of our funding plan some required asset sales. That piece of it is complete, so we're not in a position where we need to sell anything um, or, or, or are we in a position where we're planning to sell anything. But as we have always done, we'll continually look at their portfolio to determine whether um, there's certain components of our portfolio that you know might make sense to to not hold over the long term. But no plans to do at this point in time. Thank you. I'll jump back in the queue. Your next question comes from Rob Hope of Scotia Bank. Your line is open. Uh, morning, everyone. Um, First question is just on your capital outlook for 2020. So we saw that you maintain the Florida uh, number at around a US billion dollars. Uh, just want to get a sense of whether or not you're seeing any supply chain delays in some of the larger uh, items such as solar panels or uh, uh, items related to Big Ben, which could push off some spend there and potentially add some delays. Hey, Rob, it's, it's Scott. I'll, I'll, I'll answer, but uh, Nancy, if, uh, if you have any um, additional uh, color or different perspective, please please share it. No, at this at this point, um, Rob, as it relates to uh, both both those projects. In fact, um, uh, most of our all of the capital projects that I can think of uh, at, at at this point, we have not been negatively impacted as to uh, schedule or. Uh, or cost for that matter as it relates to supply or other COVID-related uh, um, matters and the progress and advancement of those projects. All right, appreciate that. Uh, and then just taking a look at Muskrat Falls and the pause on construction there and, and uh, you know, further delays there, are you, you know, are you looking at some sort of relief from the regulator to allow you to earn cash a little quicker? Or what avenues uh, are you exploring there? Craig, do you want to, do you want to tackle that one as it relates to the, the cash impacts? Yeah. So, uh, Robert, we don't. We, we 
The uh, arrangements that we had in front of us, which we don't think will change, um, is that we fully expect the cash, in particular the depreciation of muskrat falls, to kind of flow as originally expected, um, primarily because um, there's some debt service requirements um, is starting to materialize at the end of this year, and, and the regulator is well aware that uh, it's important to, to meet those as planned. Um, so, uh, you know, will we see maybe some slight delay by maybe a quarter or so from Labrador only, possibly? Um, but we're not, we're, collectively between the two, we're not seeing any material change um, based on the timing of their construction over there. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Rob. Your next question comes from Robert Kwan of RBC Capital Markets. Your line is open. Good morning. Um, if I can just ask about what you're seeing in the 4 to 6% um, reduction in load across the utilities, are you able to provide a EPS sensitivity to a 1% change in load across the utilities, whether that's on an annualized basis or a monthly basis? Yeah, I'll take that, Robert. Um, I, I wish it was that simple, but unfortunately it's not. And, and the reason being is with uh, so many different utilities, so, so many uh, different rate designs, so many different customer classes and, and the contribution, um, it, it's quite frankly difficult to roll that up into a single thing and, and have it be at all meaningful. Um, I can tell you, and Nancy reinforced it, that what we've seen to date, um, given our customer mix at our, our two electric utilities, that um, with a shift from commercial industrial uh, to residential customers um, and the contributions on a relative basis between those classes uh, and some weather that, you know, quite frankly, it's continued through to the end of April, we haven't seen any kind of overall material impact um, because, you know, again, not all load is, is equal. I'm happy um, to to go through in more detail with you and and an offer for you know all the analysts and investors that are on the phone to try to get through in a little bit more detail offline, um, but we we just don't think it's meaningful to roll it up into a to a single percent across their entire business. We actually think that would be misleading from from uh, how our portfolio is laid out. Hey, maybe then are you able to you know if that four to six percent holds or just whatever. Can you talk about what your expectation, how long that, that might persist, and, and maybe something that is more quantitative as you outlined your FX sensitivity. So um, assuming the dollar stays where it is for the, the kind of the remaining three quarters of this year, I think that's probably about a three to eight cent per share tailwind. Um, when you wrap that together with the COVID-19 impact, does FX just become a mitigating factor to your expected impact, or is it close to a push, or could it actually be a tailwind? Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, the increase in residential customers uh, or usage of, uh, by residential customers and a weak Canadian dollar certainly helpful. I mean, what we just don't know is, is you know, the 4 to 6% that we're experiencing to date, uh, which, again, has been more than offset by um, – by the mix of sales as well as, as weather, um, how long will that continue for? Um, is you know we're fortunate enough that we're starting to see the jurisdictions that we're operating start to open up slowly, um, which I think is helpful. Um, but it I think it's just too early to speculate uh, what the impacts could be if if, if 
if we have a second wave of this and, and it's deeper than the first wave and, and lasts longer. Okay. Um, if I can just finish a question on NSPI and if you have to go out and purchase power to meet the RPF, um, is there any exposure outside of the FAM? Do you want me to take that, or uh, sure? Only only because I wasn't sure I got the question. So if you if you did, then uh, make sure. Yeah, no. Any incremental cost, Robert, would flow through the fuel adjustment mechanism. That's perfect. Thank you. Your next question comes from Ben Pham of BMO. Your line is open. Hey, thanks. Good morning. On on the, the U.S. dollar movement and, and you mentioned the benefit on on earnings and, and and that as a mitigant. How how should we think about that slowing to your your CapEx budget and, and do you do you see more situation where that that CapEx budget just, just simply moves higher because of FX or do you use it as a way to, to trim and reprofile here and there so your financing program is unchanged? Yeah Ben it's Greg I, I you know, all things being equal, yes, if, if if you took our capital program that's based in U.S. dollars and, and the FX rate was higher than, and stayed that way over the forecast period, um, then yes, you would see a higher capital profile. Um, in, in terms of kind of tweaking or reprofiling, we, we do that all the time just as a matter of normal course business. There's always things that... Um, pop up that require priorities or, or other things for whatever reason, resource requirements that, that move. That, that's, you know, I'd say there's probably five to ten percent of our capital plan that's always kind of moving around anyway, just for normal business um, reasons. I wouldn't see um, any changes in foreign currency to be causing any different, uh, any different profiling of that than, than we would normally would. Okay, that sounds like it's if you're up a couple hundred, knowing that you have the right balance sheet, the drip, perhaps access to capital, and think about the credit rating that you can absorb that. Yeah, and of course you also get, you know, with with a significant amount of cash flows coming to the U.S., they get translated at a higher value as well. So if you if you think from a pure hedging perspective, the cash component of it, meaning the cash we're generating in the U.S. and what we're reinvesting in the U.S. utilities. Um, you know, th those are effectively moving in the same direction with a weaker Canadian dollar. Okay, that's, that makes a lot of sense. And then, and, and maybe lastly, uh, you mentioned some commentary. Uh, I remember it was with you, Greg, or, or Scott, on on uh, improving cash flow quality. And is that is that just more reaffirming what you guys have been doing the last 12 months, getting to a 95% plus, or is, is there is there messaging on on, on more to go on? on getting it even higher. Yeah, if I understand your question, Ben, um, yeah, certainly um, having more of the business regulated, which, you know, is, is, is a function of two things. It's the, you know, very concerted effort um, to, to grow our regulated utilities, uh, and those are obviously growing at a pace uh, faster than, than our unregulated business. Um, we've gotten rid of some unregulated businesses, um, in particular merchant gas plants over the last year. Uh, and obviously, the cash contribution from Amera Energy has been a little bit softer, although that's probably not as material. 
Um, so I, I, I think that's the first part. The second part is our, our regular utilities are, are performing really well and the cash flow coming on them is really strong. So the earnings that you're seeing at Nova Scotia Power, People's Gas, New Mexico Gas, and, and Tampa Electric are, are cash earnings. They're not being driven by regulatory deferrals. We have virtually no regulatory deferrals uh, across any of those four utilities, um, which you know is not always the case with other utilities in our sector. So I think it's both the approach inside the utilities and then from an overall portfolio uh, perspective. Yeah, I think just to, just to just to add on to that, I think it's also, you know, if you think back to the um, uh, the investor day that we had in in uh, in Florida, and and you know, starting to talk about just the overall quality of the of the portfolio uh, too, with you know, between between Florida and, and uh, Atlantic Canada, Nova Scotia, is roughly eighty percent of uh, of our earnings and therefore cash flow uh, profile, and and you know, add New Mexico into that list and. And we're well over 85% in uh, in total, just amongst those those jurisdictions. So just the you know the the, the quality, the predictability uh, of um, of those businesses, and therefore the the cash flow profiles that, that come from that, all, all part all wrapped up into uh, uh, your your question, the answer to your question, including everything Greg said. Okay, that's great. Thank you. Your next question comes from Mark Jarvie of CIBC Capital Markets. Your line is open. Good morning, everyone. Uh, I just wanted to maybe clarify in part some of the commentary on on the Tampa Electric uh, results we've seen recently. So are you saying that residential is essentially offset um, the drop in CNI and then that weather, favorable weather has then pushed you above? Um, on load? Is, is that kind of what you're saying between those comments between Nancy and, and Greg? That, yeah, Nancy? yeah, it's that, that's what we're, that's, that is what we're seeing. So even with weather normalized, you think resi, higher resi rates and increased load there, is, it can offset that commercial drop? Uh, we believe based on what we've seen the last couple of months, that the residential, uh, we're seeing the uptick in residential and, and uh, decrease obviously in, in commercial and industrial, but it seems to be offsetting. And so with the benefit of some weather, um, it, uh, as, as we saw at the end of March, we're gonna, you know, we've seen some benefit to the revenue. Okay, great. And, and then Greg, maybe question on, on the cash is supposed to say on the balance sheet, you repaid um, from the TECO finance debt outstanding What's the plan there going forward? Do you repay more, or do you hold a bit of higher cash balance given some of the uncertainty that we're facing right now? Yeah, we find ourselves. Uh, oh, first of all, Mark, welcome back. Um, Thanks. We 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 find ourselves uh, in a situation where we probably um, have some cash that um, that you know we would otherwise uh, utilize to pay down some debt. Uh, the next uh, significant maturity we have is is not till June next year, although we have some. Um, a very modest term loan that we could pay off if we so choose. Um, but at this point in time, just given all the uncertainty, although how we feel today is probably very different than how we felt, you know, three, four weeks ago, um, we just think it's prudent just to hang on to the cash for, for another quarter or so before we start to look at uh, scenarios where we redeploy it. Okay. And then I know it's a small segment, but the Caribbean, with the 4 to 6% load apply to that, Utilities as well, or, or are you seeing bigger drop given the drop in tourism? Um, so, 
as I think you know, we're really in two Caribbean islands, uh, Grand Bahamas and, and Barbados. In Grand Bahamas, it's, it's much more weighted to the industrial sector, and that sector has still been operating. Uh, so their load change hasn't been, quite frankly, that as material, and, and we wouldn't expect that to change, albeit that's a smaller part of our business. Um, we're seeing that so far, kind of those levels maybe maybe at the high end of that range in Barbados. Um, and it's difficult to see that not continuing for a period of time. It's difficult to see the tourism industry rebounding anytime soon uh, in 2019. Um, so, you know, that's clearly one where, you know, we'll have some work to do over the balance of the year. So your internal forecast assume it's sort of high um, single digit load decrease there? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Your next question comes from David Quezada of Raymond James. Your line is open. Thanks. Good morning, everyone. Um, my first question, um, maybe on the topic of uh, kind of a longer-term question on storage in Florida. It sounds like some of your peers in the state uh, have recently rolled out some fairly big plans there. I wonder if you, if you uh, have any recent thoughts on, on that opportunity uh, in the future. Yeah, I'd say you know if I if I think about our two businesses in Florida combined, David, um, you know we're 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 looking at uh, we're looking at at storage uh, in in that market. Um, you know nothing uh, um, nothing specific to talk about today, but it's certainly an area that we're looking at. Okay, fair enough. And then maybe just one uh, quick confirmation: Do you expect to see any uh, effect to cash flow on the lower corporate uh, tax rate? Uh, in Nova Scotia, um, not in, not in the short term. Um, the business that we have that is most uh, impacted uh, with the lower tax rate is Nova Scotia Power, and it's on a cash tax basis. So over time, um, obviously uh, the cash tax component of, of rates will change, um, but um, on the short term, it, it will it won't have any impact at all. Okay, fair enough. Thank you. That's it for me. Thanks, David. Your next question comes from Ryan Greenwald of Bank of America. Your line is open. Good morning, guys. All right. Morning. So appreciate the disclosure around the 4 to 6% impact for most of the utilities so far. Could you just provide a little more color on what your internal assumptions are going forward the rest of the year? Yeah, Ryan, it, it's Greg. Um, I, I'd say it, we're, it's less of a deterministic um, uh, forecast in that, you know, we, we think we're on track to, to deliver um, what we otherwise would have expected. You would see in our disclosure that there's a couple of businesses, uh, like our marketing and trading business, because of market conditions in New England that probably will be at the lower end. Um, but, you know, reconfirm that we expect to earn within the allowed ROE bands for um, for Nova Scotia Power and Tampa Electric, just as, as two examples of that. Um, and, and then what we're kind of overlaying with that, and it's still a work in progress, is, you know, what if, what if the impacts of COVID-19 extend beyond, um, quite frankly, it's not Q2, but, you know, beyond 2020, and, and that's still work in progress. And it, I think it's also important to note through all of this is, is as we talk about 
um, load changes and, and fixed cost contributions. These these are all, with the exception of mirror energy regulated utilities, um, where there's um, you know a long history of having uh, in all jurisdictions and in particular in ours where there's always always regulatory uh, opportunities to to you know manage uh, these uh, these situations so that utilities continue to earn kind of in and around their uh, our we band. Fair enough. Sorry, I was just going to say, uh, Ryan, only to state the obvious, but but you know the difficult the difficult thing in this is really is really understanding what the what the duration of the um, of, of of the restrictions imposed across all of our jurisdictions are, and frankly, you know the answer to that is not going to be uniform um, across uh, across all the all the regions uh, that um, that we operate. Obviously, Florida is starting to relax. Uh, some of those, uh, some of those now that haven't yet happened in uh, in some of the other uh, jurisdictions. So that you know, that's the other the other question uh, in um, in all of this uh, as 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 well. That makes you know it, it difficult to fully understand what the um, uh, what the impacts are. But uh, um, but I think you know the important uh, the important messages within how we're seeing uh, within that environment. Uh, while while many commercial customers and industrial cu customers obviously are. Are, are, are challenged in terms of their operation. What we're seeing as it relates to uh, the residential usage and how that uh, how that impacts our, our business is one of the key mitigating factors. Got it. And then on the bad debt, can you just provide a little more color there? It seems like pretty modest uptick so far, but any additional color there around your expectations and if you've had initial conversations with regulators and ultimate confidence around favorable treatment there. Greg, you want, want to start with that at least? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we haven't really seen much of a change in, in bad debt um, at, at this point. Um, obviously, we're seeing some, um, starting to see some um, weakness or, or uh, further aging of our accounts receivable, not unexpected because we have made the decision. Um, not to disconnect customers for non-payment, so those that you know would otherwise uh, have paid their bill for fear of disconnection aren't. But that's quite frankly is a small part, portion of our customers. Um, so we would expect that net bad debt will be higher this year than than it was last year as a percent. But when we go back and look at the experience in 2008 and 2009, and it, it won't be the same. Whether it's better or worse is not, remains to be seen. Um, it, 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 it's not a material amount of money, but it is something that we are keeping track of, uh, and that uh, you know, if we feel it's it's an appropriate amount of money to have the conversation with with the regulators, as they already have started in New Mexico, um, then we will do so. Great, thanks for the time. Your next question comes from Andrew Kuski of Credit Suisse. Your line is open. Thank you. Good morning. Um, given the COVID-19 related demand destruction across your footprint, does that allow you to phase out coal on a more accelerated basis across the portfolio? And then what kind of positive impact does that have on your carbon footprint? Yeah, it's, it's Scott. So, I mean, really the, you know, the, an important premise within the question is uh, really what, what, the, the demand destruction, how, how permanent is it? Um, 
And so, you know, what what you will have gathered from the answer so far is, um, you know, our, our our load actually is is not down meaningfully, and um, and so really, when you think about, um, you know, the the decarbonization path that we're on, um, you know, that's a that's a path we're on regardless of uh, uh, of short-term uh, impacts or what we all hope to be short-term impacts from from something like uh, like this uh, this uh, pandemic, um, and obviously that's been a core part of our strategy for a long time. It continues to be. Um, you know, we're working through our, our plans around uh, how we continue to uh, to decarbonize in uh, in, in uh, particular in uh, in Tampa Electric and and Nova Scotia Power. I would note, um, you know, during uh, during this period, as the Tampa Electric team was. Um, uh, working through a, a major planned outage at, uh, their, at one of their largest stations, Big Bend Station, uh, for the last number of weeks um, since it was originally commissioned. Um, Big Bend has uh, has not been operating, has not been uh, burning coal through that period while they have been doing some um, uh, retrofit work within that important uh, generation unit. Um, and, um, and that, in fact, helped to assist in terms of a very complex set of work to be done while uh, while keeping the team safe and allowing that work to advance uh, uh, productively and um, efficiently and, and successfully, but I think you know the bigger the, the bigger part to your important question is you know the decarbonization decarbonization efforts the efforts to uh, eliminate coal generation within the mix is uh, is very much a front and center component of our strategy and and um, and you know, we don't see the the short-term impacts, relatively speaking, of um, of, uh, of COVID is uh, as challenging as they are for everyone. Uh, we really don't see that shaking our up the path that uh, that we're on, in order to um, to continue to drive towards uh, the cleaner energy future that uh, that we all strive for, and we know our customers want to. Appreciate that color and context, and then maybe just an extension of that. I think it was in the MDNA you highlighted the gas utilities are expected to under earn. Given the pandemic situation we're in, I guess your fundamental confidence in that business on a longer-term basis is, is really enhanced as you transition towards solar and there's greater natural gas usage across portions of your utility portfolio and your footprint. Yeah, I think I think that's right, and I think you know there's a, there's an element of of um, you know those LDCs that that. Um, uh, that very efficient use of, of energy with the direct um, at um, at the um, at the need uh, in terms of its overall efficiency. There's a there's an enabling aspect of that. It enables the um, uh, the continued decarbonization on the on the electric side, and so we see those uh, businesses continuing to play a, an important role in the decarbonization of the. Of the sector overall, and obviously, you know, the under under earning and element of it is is also, you know, frankly reflective of the fact that both those businesses are in the process of of securing rates and in, in um, response to the fact that uh, there's been investments made on behalf of of customers that um, uh, that need the rate uh, uh, rates in order to support uh, those advancements in both the uh, um, uh, improving reliability and enhancing the integrity, sort of integrity-related investments, um, but also 
system expansion, particularly in, uh, in in Florida, as People's Gas continues to uh, meet the, the the need from a growing list of customers for for natural gas supply. And so, um, uh, both uh, both those utilities are in the process of um, of, of, uh, of of rate filings or or uh, related uh, rate requests uh, as we speak. Obviously, that's great. That's all for me. Thank you. Your next question comes from Patrick Kenny of National Bank Financial. Your line is open. Yeah, good morning, everybody. Uh, just with respect to your industrial and, I guess, commercial customer base as well uh, in both Nova Scotia and Tampa, are you seeing some of these customers being able to you know, sustain a certain level of operating capacity or perhaps pivot from one business line to another over the past couple months? Just Curious how meaningful this trend could be in, you know, potentially offsetting a certain portion of the uh, the initial demand destruction under normalized weather, of course. Yeah, Patrick, it's Scott. So maybe what I'll do is I'll let uh, first first Nancy and then uh, and then Wayne get a little bit of color from the, the the Tampa and Nova Scotia perspective, respectively. Nancy. Sure. Uh, from an industrial customer perspective. Uh, We've seen that continue on. Um, interesting here on our commercial sector, um, one of the things, you know, so lots of restaurants and retail and that sort of thing, um, people still need to keep the air conditioning on uh, to protect the premise even if they're not operating. So I think that's part of the reason why we haven't seen so much demand destruction. Um, and, I, and, and we do believe that some of the increase in people calling and arranging payment is because the economy is starting to open up in, in, in a small way in our phase one, as the governor's called it. So, um, we ha it, so I think that's part of the, the, the lay of the land in terms of uh, how our, what we're seeing in our revenues, if that's helpful. And it's okay, great. I would, uh, I would only add that we're seeing a similar vein uh, here in Nova Scotia, where some of our uh, Industrial and commercial customers are are closed or operating at uh, lower levels. Well, while others have adjusted their um, activities, and uh, there are a few here that have shifted their production to make things like uh, um, surgical masks and 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 uh, that kind of activity. So, so it's a, an, a mixed bag, but um, you know there are there are um, industries that are uh, doing better and actually running more at this time. So that all goes into the overall. Uh, Low numbers that we would have uh, uh, given you in our MD&A. Okay, perfect. Thanks for that. Um, and then on the bad debt expenses, uh, Nancy, maybe you could just provide an overview on some of the financial aid programs for the residential customers down in Tampa and how meaningful these programs could be in mitigating some of your bad debt expense over the coming months without needing to rely on uh, the regulatory mechanisms. Sure. So we have um, we have a variety of programs. Um, some of the local charities, as well as our own program uh, that we call Share, that's administered through the uh, Salvation Army here. There's federal programs, as you know. Um, so just to perhaps put it in perspective, we've year to date, we've uh, about 9,700 of our customers have received some kind of aid at about you know a little over $200 on average in terms of uh, in terms of that aid so that has certainly been helpful 
we have uh, we've done a lot of work in terms of assisting our customers and and um, trying to you know to help them get access to these programs. So that uh, that hard work by our um, you know by our staff in the in the contact center has certainly helped. So you know again uh, when I say small uptick, I do mean small uptick currently in terms of our bad debt. So you know it's hard to see what's coming, but uh, nothing alarming so far. Okay, thank you. And, and maybe just a final cleanup question here for Greg on the uh, the FX hedges. Um, we have touched on it already, but the two hundred million dollars in place for twenty twenty uh, at the target zone on an annual basis, or expect to move that up further through the back half of the year, and and also maybe a comment on on when you might look to move the 2021 hedges up as well? Yeah, Patrick, I, I, I don't think there's necessarily a, a target per se, although, you know, probably 2 to 250 would probably feel about reasonable. Um, and so obviously if we wanted to do something additional in 2021, uh, we could. Um, you know, we haven't, you know, over the last couple of weeks, the dollar has appeared to have stabilized, although um, at least personally I find it difficult to, to to grasp the thesis where it's going to get stronger anytime soon or, or very quickly anyway. So, um, so you could, you know, probably see us for 2021 for kind of a, you know, a similar type of uh, a head level in place um, that we have in for, for the current year, maybe slightly higher than that. Okay, great. That's it for me. Thanks. Thanks guys. Thanks Patrick. There are no further questions at this time. I will now return the call to Mr. Hastings. Thank you very much for your interest in Namara, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the day. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.